Well, I wore a sweatshirt because I thought it'd be cold up here, but it's like 300 degrees. <laughs> wow. Last week, I kind of started it. We'll call it an Advent series, you know, Advent meaning leading up to the birth of Christ. We know that Jesus has already been born. The Lord has come. We know that. But this is a time of year when we go back, and I think it's okay to talk about and to celebrate the birth of Jesus, whether it was this time of year or in the fall or the summer. We don't really know, but at the end of the day, we know that he came, right? We know that he was born in a manger in Bethlehem, right? We know this, but let's, let's talk about what God has given us in this moment. God has given so much to us. Last week, we talked about the gift of Emmanuel, God with us, right? We also talked about, and this is just my review, which my reviews are so short. If you want to listen to what I shared last week, you have to go online and you can listen to it, but it'll kind of connect some of the dots. But God gave us the gift of himself, Emmanuel, God with us. Also, we talked about, quite extensively, I, ta- I, I thought we did, we also talked about how God has given us the gift of others. We are not in this journey. We are not in this walk alone. God is with us, but he's also given us others to help us walk this out. In other words, God has given us the gift of community, right? And I really want us to think about that for a moment, the gift of community. Now, community can either build you up or it can tear you down. And I've seen both kind of communities. And I do not want to be part of a community that tears down. I want to be part of a community that builds up. Amen. And I want to be part of a community where they don't talk about you, but we talk to each other. That is a healthy community. And when I see people work through issues of the heart and come together and talk together, my heart is so excited. Because that's the right way to do it. I don't want to ever be part of a community where they talk behind your back or they just talk about you. Talk to me. If we have something going on or a heart issue, talk, let's talk to each other. We don't need to talk to 80 other people. Let's talk to each other and work this out, right? Amen. That's how it should be. But also, I want to move on today because I want to talk about another gift that God has given us, and that is the gift of movement. It's like, what? Say, what? The gift of movement? Now, I can move like this. Now, I don't know if you can do that or not, but I'm just implying. God gives us the ability to move. They all left, Sandy. But one of the continuous storylines in the Word of God is that those who experienced God in a powerful and mighty way were those who were willing to take steps to move towards God. They were willing to move and, and to seek God out, right? And, and, and in that moment, they were the ones too that were willing to take a risk. They were willing to get up and go where he commanded them to go. Think of 2 Kings chapter 7, where you have the lepers. They could have sat there eating all the goods after they found out the enemy had been driven off, but no. They said, we can't do this. This isn't right. So they moved all the way back to the city and said, hey, guys, there's food. We will live. Exodus 40. Turn there for a minute. We'll get a, a scripture reference. Uh, Exodus 40, 
chapter 40, verses 34 through 38. I want to make a point here really quick. And that is that ancient Israel and the way God's people moved illustrates this idea that God who is with us is also a missional God. And he expects his people to move with him when he moves. So when God moves, he expects his people to move as well. You know, you and I, we can approach life from several different ways, but two ways in particular. And one is a static approach. And that is where we see life happening around us. We see all this stuff going on, but we just sit there and let it happen to us. It comes to us, it flows through us, it moves on, and we just sit there and do nothing. I have watched people live static lives where they go, well, it just seems like yesterday I was three and now I'm 90 and I'm sitting on this bench and I've been sitting here my whole life and not, man, I I don't want to have regrets later in my life. Do you? I want to know that when God moved, I moved with him. When God said, come, I came. When God said, give me your hand, I reached up and gave him my hand and I followed him with all of my heart. And I think that should be all of our hearts, that when God moves, when God calls, we're willing to move and respond to that, because that's what the children of Israel did. The other approach to life is to understand that life is dynamic, that life is fluid, that everything is moving around us, and and you see this life that's happening around you, and, and your response is to simply jump up and affect change around you. That's A-F-F-E-C-T, effect. That means you get in there and you understand that you are to be an influencer. You are designed to produce change in the circle that God has placed you in, in and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So wherever you put your foot, wherever you grab, whatever you grab hold of, your heart is to affect change in that situation. When I lay hands on my brother, I'm praying in my heart, that affects change in his life because the prayer that we're praying, I believe, will release God's hand. Amen. That's what we're called to do. That is a dynamic life. How many of you want to live a really dynamic life? Yeah, I think that's most of our hearts. So God, I wrote, God calls his people to be on the move. We are called to be a catalyst affecting our world. Why? Because of Jesus in us. Should have lit our pants on fire. We should be glowing. We should be that light like the shepherds saw in the sky and and the angels or the the magi saw the light. We should be that light that draws people to Christ. So life in God is dynamic and we always need to be ready to go where he calls us to go. Amen? So having said that, Exodus 40, 34 through 38 I think this is a beautiful illustration of how God calls his people to a life of being on the move. We see that the ancient Israelites, that they didn't do anything until God moved. In fact, it says in verse 34, starting there, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The glo- God's heart, we talked about this last week, has always been to be with us. But at this point in time, Because there was no blood that was covering all of us, we couldn't look at God. We would burn up. So God filled this temple. And when when, when his glory fell, not even Moses could enter. 
In fact, it was only the priests and certain ones that could enter the Holy of the Holies. And in fact, they tied a rope around their leg with a little bell. And if the bell quit ringing, they started pulling. Because he had done something not right. Man, what a moment. Moses could not enter the tent of the meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord had filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. They would move. So when the cloud went up, the cloud began to move. They moved with it. They did not live a static life. They didn't go, hmm, cloud's moving. I think I'll go back to the river and fish for a while. No, it was serious business. They went where God went because they knew that God was protecting them and that God was with them. So the cloud of the Lord, let's see, but if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all Israelites during all their travels. Wow. Can you picture that imagery? The cloud just spinning. I don't know if it was spinning or how. I don't know. But it was above the tabernacle. And then at night, fire. You imagine their adversaries and what they must have seen. It's like, no, don't go down there. You will get lit up, and it won't be good. God was with them. God was protecting him. But the point is that when God was ready to move, he lifted and he moved and they went with him. They followed. Today, God has given us his holy word. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the body of Christ, each other. All of this exists to equip God's people to be on the move now. I mean, that takes you all the way into Ephesians 4 that reminds us that the responsibility of the fivefold ministry was to equip and is to equip God's pe people for the work of service, ministry. It's all dynamic. It's all moving. God didn't prepare you to just sit in a pew. God didn't prepare you just to come and sit every Sunday. God prepared you to be on the move for Him and for others. Now, if I ask you, where are you at in that? Only you can answer that. But again, God didn't prepare you to be just a spectator. This is not a spectator thing. It's a participant. I hate to call it a game, but that Paul alludes to a lot of game references. But you're called to play in the game. God's on the field. The game is happening. He's going, I need you, 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 you. Come, join the game. Get in the game. I'm moving, and I want you to move with me. I wrote, God empowers his people so that although we are on the move, we are not alone, and we don't have to rely on our own strength. The reason is because we're in this new covenant era. In the Old Testament, God filled the tabernacle with what? Himself, his glory. But today, what does God fill? We are the temple. That's right. He fills us. In fact, I wrote here, Jesus has ushered in the new covenant era, and now the Holy Spirit empowers us. He fills our temple to be able to do what he's called us to do. So the new covenant really is the fulfillment of God's promise of presence. Emmanuel, God is with us. He is filling this temple 
When you think of the temple in the Old Testament and you think of the tabernacle and the flame and the fire, all that stuff, it is in us now. That is incredibly awesome. It's also incredibly powerful. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. If God says move, I want to move. If God says I want this of you, I require that of you, I want to go, I want to be, I want to be part of what God's doing. That's one of the reasons I'm here today. Because I, like others of you, have answered God's call. And I want to move where he wants us to move. I want to go where he wants me to go for as long as I have breath. And I believe many of you want that too as well. So turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 18. Luke chapter 2. This is an incredible narrative of of, uh, of the Christmas story, we'll call it that, the Christmas story, the birth of Christ. And it shows us how amazing life can be when we are on the move for God, okay? Read with me, if you will, Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. We've heard this passage a lot over the years, but let's read it together again. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Well, duh. Who wouldn't be terrified? You're out in a field at night with shepherd, with all these sheep everywhere. You got your staff. You know there's wolves and banditos out there, and all of a sudden, this light lights up. And here's these angels. Can you imagine what was going through the shepherds' hearts? I can only imagine what went through their hearts, let alone what must have been going through the sheep's hearts. (laughs) Whoa. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Do not be afraid. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. They had to have known and heard all their lives about a Messiah, the coming one. But they must have been thinking, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, is this that? Is it? Is this that? Do you see what's happening here? God is moving. God is moving towards humanity at this moment, and he's coming. And he busts through whatever veil was there, and the angel is saying, hey, guess what, guys? The Messiah, he's here. I'm paraphrasing like crazy. But today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. So guys, this is what I want you to look for. When you head into town, this is what you want to see. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes lying in a manger. 
Now, a baby wrapped in clothes probably wasn't that big of a deal, but in a manger, that's significant. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, can you imagine that? The angels are standing there. Then all of a sudden, behind them, this choir starts singing. I don't know what happened, but it had to have been one of those moments that you would never, ever forget. Again, God is pushing in. God's pressing through the veil. He's moving towards humanity at that very moment. He's on the move, as Jane Nermy would say. God is on the move. I love that. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those to, of, on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Hey, would you pass the mutton? <laughs> And maybe, maybe a little of that soup. No, they didn't do that. They were so stirred up. They were so elated. They said, let us go to Bethlehem. It's like the lepers when they found out that what they had could save an entire city. They said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they waited three days. No. It doesn't say that. It says, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Can you imagine that moment? Walking up because you had this divine revelation that this was the Messiah. This was the promised one. What an awe moment. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So, did they just go look and see and go, see ya, let's go back and get... No! All of a sudden, they became very missionally minded. We have something to share. We have something to tell others about it. This is so over-the-top important. Let's go do this. And I believe that at that moment, they sought the cross child, the Christ child, and I wrote here, and experienced him with their own eyes. And then the reaction to that was, they went out demonstrating how God's people are to be on the move for God by going out and telling others about what they had seen, what they had experienced. How often do we get excited about sharing what God has done for us? You know, it's such a contrast because I've heard everything from, from, you know, I was a biker and I was in a bike wreck thrown 400 yards, landed in a canyon, they found me 50 miles down the river. You know, these stories just go, man, that it was God all the way. And then you got someone raise their hand and go, all I've ever known is Jesus. They're both powerful stories. You don't have to have fallen off a cliff, been hit by a log truck, and, and, and whatever, to, to, to have that powerful story. If you have seen the Savior, if you've experienced the Savior, you have a story to tell. Amen. And just as, yeah, thank you, Clyde. And just as God was moving towards humanity, God turns this around and he says, I want you to move towards those who are far from me as well. Because we carry the torch of evangelism in us. Every one of us has a story. Every one of us. I wrote here, the shepherds' lives were forever altered because they acted on the, the angel's announcement and they sought out the Christ child. They acted. 
The, the, the lepers in Second uh, Kings chapter 7, one of the key points, I love the story, it says, they arose. It's just that simple. They arose. They could have sat there and died. They come to this epiphany. Hey, they're dying inside the walls of the city. We're dying out here. Let's go see if the enemy has some food. Maybe they'll throw us some crumbs. But the key point is they arose. They took a chance. When was the last time you took a chance and you stepped up for Christ? You took a chance and you turned back around. God spoke something to you about somebody. You're walking in Walmart or wherever, and you're walking along. God says, tell that person this, and you just keep walking or you stop. (sighs) I'm going to take a chance. And you begin to move to them because that is the God of the universe moving towards them through you. And they're about to have an encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is powerful stuff, guys. Powerful stuff. Yeah. You know, one of the things in here, and I, can I do a sidebar for a moment? Can I do a sidebar? <clears throat> I'm going to do it anyhow. Okay. <laughs> I heard that. I love this in verse 19. Everybody look at verse 19, Luke chapter 2, verse 19. I want you to look at that for a moment. This is mind-blowing to me. I've read this and reread this and studied this. It's a mind-blower. It says, okay, let me give you a little context here. Mary's hearing all this stuff going on. She's seeing the shepherds say, this is what we saw. We're so, whoa, this is a moment. And they leave and they go out to tell everybody about it. And what does Mary do? Mary doesn't sit there and say, hey, I know, that's my son. He's the Messiah. We see no reference to Mary saying anything other than she ponders all this in her heart. It says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Just for a moment, let's, let's think about Mary for a moment. This is mind-blowing to me. Why was her response different? The shepherds, the good news that they brought was amazing indeed, but it wasn't surprising or unexpected to Mary because she had received an angelic visit more than nine months before, right? So Mary had somewhat of an inside track. But the word ponders, this word pondered them in her heart. She, she had to, Mary had to, maybe Mary didn't fully understand everything that she was experiencing. And, and maybe Mary didn't understand everything that she was learning about her son, but she knew that he had a divine calling. But how can she imagine with incredible clarity what all of that would entail? She really didn't. She understood a chunk of it because we read we're back, way back up in Luke chapter 2, verse 34, Simon, who's in the temple. Jesus has come for a ceremony. He's a baby. And this is what Simon says to Mary and Joseph. Simon blessed them and said to Mary and his mother, to Mary, his mother, I'm sorry, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. It's like, What? And to be a sign that will be spoken against. Oh. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Well, wait a minute. I brought my son here to be blessed. And you're telling me that that's not how it's going to work. 
Mary treasured these things in her heart and she pondered them. We read later down in Luke, if you read the whole chapter 2, you'll see that Jesus grew and he grew up and he became strong and he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. That's what the Word of God says. And everyone who saw and witnessed the growth of Jesus was amazed. They were amazed at his wisdom. They were amazed at his understanding. But once again, in Luke chapter 2, verse 51, again, Mary says, or it says she treasured all these things in her heart. Mary's reaction was different. What's interesting to me as I studied this, it's as if Luke's observation of what happened also hints at the depth of Mary's character. Wow. She was quiet. She was peaceful. She was spiritually receptive. I think, I think as these stories and things are unfolding before Mary, she's reflecting on the events of her own life. And probably, I wrote here, although she likely had the best insight regarding the shepherd's experience, she kept quiet about her own thoughts and her feelings. Man, Mary was young. Mary was a teenage girl. But she clothed herself with, as 1 Peter 3, 4 says, an unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is also precious to God. Mary, her faith ran so deep. Her faith was so strong. And here she was guarding the secrets of God and gracefully awaiting the fulfillment of them. Can you imagine that? Out of all the people in human history, he chose her. It's a mind blower when you put your head and your heart around it. These divine mysteries that, that intersected Mary's story were beyond our natural comprehension. They were. And to me, some of it still is. Yet, yet she preserved them as her most valued treasures. Mary. We don't talk a lot about Mary in the church, but she was an amazing woman. Amazing woman. There was no ceiling over her. She stood tall and she did what God asked her to do. When God said, move Mary, she said, as, at what, what your will be done, I'll do it. And she accepted the responsibility of giving birth to the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's just my sidebar note. I wrote here, the shepherds became some of the very first evangelists who experienced a move of God in their lives by responding to the move of God by spreading the good news of the birth of Jesus to others around them. If you can just get one thing out of this service today, of, of what I'm sharing, is that here's God moving towards humanity with his, with his son Jesus. He's moving towards humanity. He's, he's moving towards sinful humanity. Why? Because he loved us. And he wanted to be with us. And he wants to dwell with us. He wants to inhabit the praises of her. He wants to be right here with us. And the only way he could do that was through his son Jesus. Because blood was the only thing that would cover that sacrifice, right? And it was the blood of Jesus. He gave his son so he could be with us. You see the movement? So when God moves towards you, what do you do? You back up? Oh, I don't want this, God. 
Let me pray about it, Father. Let me pray about it. Can I get back to you later? I'm, I'm, I, I, uh, I, got a, I got an oven to clean right now. I want to go take care of that. God's moving towards you. Are you being receptive and saying, I see you, Father, and I'm going to move towards you? Two principles really quickly that I see in this is that movement sparks movement. Movement sparks movement. I learned that teaching science here one time. It's the only thing I ever learned in science. You take two rubber balls and you bring them together, boom, boom. They're both going to move at that point. Both of them move. So movement sparks movement. And when God bumps into people, they should be moving. They should move. How many of you have had a great interrupter come into your life at that moment? You went, whoa, that was a shocker. And it was God all the way. Did you move? But it did, you move, did it move you to move and to do something for the kingdom? How did you go? That was a good bump, God. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. When God, wrote, when God bumps into people, they should move. God who is on the move calls to himself a people who will be on the move for him and with him. For him and with him. And when we look at the shepherds and we see how they responded... They didn't say, hey, pass the peas. They said, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go see what God's talking about. Let's see what's happening. Let's go check this out. And I don't think it was a slow stroll. I think it was a pretty fast trot. And I've watched people within this own fellowship who have responded to the move of God. God spoke to your heart, God moved towards you, God laid an idea, a thought, a notion, something on your heart, and instead of going, let me get back to you about that, God, they just said, no, God, show me more. There's people in this room that are in ministry right now because of that very thing. God said, move, you said, okay, where do I go? God says, here, and you went. Well done. But there's more, because God always moves us from glory to glory. There is no place we move to where you finally go, I finally obtained a, a, a higher awareness of enlightenment and God. And, no, it's always moving. And when you get to that next place, it's not rungs on the ladder, it's from glory to glory. You move to this place, and God goes, ah, check this out, I got more. And because you're being faithful and you're honoring him, he honors you, it's just an incredible journey. So principle two I wrote here, is experiencing Jesus leads us to share about Jesus. At least that's how it should work. When we experience an encounter with God, we should be really excited, and we should be willing to share that with others. Have you ever had an encounter with Jesus that led to sharing your encounter with Jesus to others? How many of those? Raise hands. Look around. Well done. Well done. So let's put some handles on this really quick. I wrote here, God wants us to experience his glorious nature through his son, Jesus. Like the shepherds, I wrote, question, have you experienced God's presence in a way that led you to you a unique assignment or a calling? And I know some of you have done that, and you're doing it right now, but I'm telling you, there's more. And, and I've already explained how God was very purposeful in moving and reaching out to a lost humanity through his son, Jesus, man, and how God wants us to reciprocate by moving towards him to reach those that are far from him. Does that make sense? That's what God's called us to do. He's wanting us to move to him 
But in the process, we in turn lean back into others who are distant from him and say, come, follow me. Come, I want to show you. Come, I got a story I want to tell you. Come, I want, to, I want you to hear an experience that I had. Come, let me pray for you so that you can encounter the God that I encountered. So Romans 5.8 said, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So again, to reiterate, not to get redundant, but it's important we have this written on our heart. God demonstrates his own love by moving towards humanity, again, by sending his son while we were still sinners. In the birth of Jesus, we see God on the move. But it doesn't stop there. God's movement calls us to move. And again, God calls his followers to embrace a lifestyle of being on the move with and for him. So how many of you want to be on the move for God? I think most all of us in this room want to be there. And this beautiful gift of movement gives us a great awareness that He is with us while we are on the move for Him. So if God calls me down this road to turn into a dark alley, is He with me? I just want to make sure I heard His voice. And I got a good right hook. I'm moving down the alley. But God, you said you were with me. God, I believe with all my heart, you called me, you affirmed it in your word. I'm turning down the alley. Figuratively speaking, I'm going that way. And God said, I am with you. I am with you to the end. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let's keep walking. Just like the shepherds seek out Christ and and tell others about him, that should be a move that you and I are ready to make too. I I think we're in a moment when we need to look for every opportunity that we can to not only hear his voice, but to be able to take what he's saying and share it with a lost and dying world. Are you guys ready to move? Can we have some fun for a moment? Can we have some kicks and giggles for a moment? Let's stand. I was watching the kids this morning with the flags and back there. I love watching children worship because it's with total abandonment. They don't care who's standing there. We're like, are they watching me? Maybe I'll move my foot. My hand's up here a little bit here. I'm not trying to lay anything on you. I'm just saying I love watching children with total abandonment worship, worship Jesus. So let's just have some fun this morning. We got plenty of time. We still have a half hour. We can no. <laughs> Let's just see where God takes this and where God takes you in your heart. Remember, God is moving. Are we going to move with Him? Because He gave you the freedom and the gift and the ability to move with Him unhindered. And maybe one of the reasons you can't move is because you're still tethered. Maybe there's still things in your life that are holding you back. Maybe there's addictions. Maybe there's chains. And addictions come in so many different forms. It's not just one thing. It's, there's a plethora of things we can be addicted to. We can be addicted to our own thoughts about who I am. We can be addicted by strongholds the enemy's placed around us, things that were spoken, things that were said over you that keep you. I'm telling you, as we move into this new year, one of the things we need to go hard on is shame. Shame has bound so many people. 
And I hear it more and more and more that that's the root cause of where they're at. Shame has been placed on them at some place in time. It's like an old steamer trunk. You, get, you go down and you start getting into the, the, the depths of their heart and you see these labels and they go way back in time. Somebody shamed them. And that is so wrong. And I just think this morning as you enter in, let's let shame go. Let's, let's get rid of this once and for all. Let's get rid of the, any other form of addiction that's on your heart or your mind. Let's get rid of this. So, Lewis, let's do this.